Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Get off to a good start. Win the morning, win the day. I oh, know it's not time, that doesn't make any sense. Well, it's time to go to the team at AFL Nation. Nick Del Sando's with us. St Kilda champ, St Kilda AFLW coach and 322 AFL games. Teaches you just a little bit about this game. So we're in good hands this morning. Nick Del Sando, though, welcome to you. Win the dusk, win the night. Doesn't have the same ring to it, though, does it? <laughs> a very good morning to you, Sammy. Uh, no, it doesn't. Um, first of all, it's lovely to be back from an AFLW perspective. We've had quite a bit of time off, which we absolutely needed, and we walked out onto the training track a few nights ago and I was up and about really excited and I was clearly mic'd up and knew there were some people around and absolutely butchered the intro. But um, no, it's all good, mate. It's it's really exciting for you know all women players in the footy clubs getting back involved um, on an official capacity, um, given we've had about seven odd months off and we're back into it, ready to go pre-season. Yeah. How the, the girls uh, loving it? Excitement levels must be through the roof and you got some new faces at this point as well or...? Yeah, they are. It's, I mean, I remember this sort of moment as well as a player. It's like your first day of school again. You haven't seen your best friends and mm. everyone's really excited. You want to... Now, there's a little bit of anxiousness as well, given you're not quite sure where your fitness levels are at and we're going to have a fitness test in the next couple of days just to really put a measurement on it. So there's a few that are probably a little bit nervous, but overall, you know, there's every list has 30 players. So you get to roll out and play footy with... 29 of your uh, friends for the next, you know, six or seven months of your life. So life's pretty good, I reckon. Yep, indeed. Uh, and Steph Giocci as well. Can I ask you about her? Yeah, you can. Um, she's a ripper. She's excited. She's enthusiastic. She's highly intelligent from a football perspective. So really looking forward to working with her closer than mm. we probably had in the last couple of months since she signed with the Saints. Um, but she's going to have a huge impact and a positive impact on our group, I reckon. All right, we'll go over to the men. Who wins the night tonight? I mean, Carlton, six of the last seven, uh, they've dropped. Turbulence at selection, of course. The Demons have lost two in a row themselves. Still no Clayton Oliver. I mean, these are these are high stakes for a round 12 meeting. Yeah, they are, absolutely. And, you know, probably more high stakes for probably the Blues, given the ladder position that they're at right now, sitting in 13th position. Um, the Dees are in fourth. It's a funny one, isn't it, Sammy? Even to sort of to pose that question, it's a big game. Mm. It's probably based on the expectation that we expect more from the Ds, to be honest. If you're going to put me on the spot, I'm going with the Ds. I think the Ds get it done tonight. I probably can't even tell you how. I think it's going to be one of those just got to get the job done sort of nights. Like it's got to be a gritty, dig deep um, performance. And I reckon when it comes down to that sort of measurement, I'm going to back in the Ds just a little bit more than the Blues tonight. But it, it, it's been tough. There is. There's no tiptoeing around it from a Blues perspective. You know, life's been hard and they've had some issues in the last week off-field, which probably just adds to the storyline. And, you know, when, when we speak, Sammy, we've spoken about the Blues, you know, every time that we've had these sort of chats. Mm. You know, I always refer to the on-field and, and the playing group and the responsibility or lack of responsibility that this playing group has had and shown. Um, I, I think they've got all the talent in the world, which is a really dangerous word in footy because talent only takes you so far but there's clearly you know some players that need to step up as individuals but as a collective 
got to find a, get, a way to get the job done, and it's going to be a huge challenge for them tonight. Harry McCoy is just living a nightmare in front of goal at the moment, as we know. And I thought the way he spoke about his mental state this week, Della, not only yeah. you know the way his form in front of goal affects him, but those around him, and he, he included his family in that as well, uh, and the way that they have to wear what he does on the field in, in a game of football. I mean, I... I thought incredibly brave of him. Gee, the, the game has come a long way, hasn't it, with a player opening himself up like that? Yeah, it has. And I think it's the right thing that we're, you know, probably in a world where we can talk a little bit about it. I still feel, you know, the tradition of football is we keep a lot to ourselves and we don't disclose or, or you know, make ourselves be vulnerable. But, I mean, the hard thing for Harry is the footy world knows it. And, you know, you can't hide from it because it's, you know, you know, in every paper, you know, our radio station, SEM, we're happy to talk about it quite a lot. So I, I think that's the reality of the situation. If you try and tiptoe around it, mm. I think you're probably only compounding the situation. I, I, I can't recall a time, Sam, in, in my time in footy, in 25-odd years, whatever it is, that someone's had these issues and significant issues in front of goal like he has. Um, I feel for him. You know, it must be a dreadful feeling and... If I try and relate it to golf and probably most people's golf games, when you're standing over the golf ball and you don't know which direction it's going, it's a pretty bad feeling. It's a scary feeling. Yeah. And unfortunately, Harry's got that in front of goals. And there's been a million suggestions on what he should do and what Michael Voss should do from here. I think there's a simple answer. It's going to take a little bit of work, but just to take that pressure away from him, he's got a unique skill set and and ability to take some really good contested marks. I would have no hesitation just moving him up the ground a little bit. Does that mean that he won't have shots at goal? No, because I still think he has, you know, a responsibility to the team to provide that option forward of the footy. But there's no reason he can't play the old traditional centre-half forward and, and get up the ground a little bit, take some of those big clunks and compete through the middle of the ground and be the one that delivers the footy inside forward 50. He's a thumping kick and... If I'm Kerno in front of the ball and Harry Mackay's got it on centre wing, it's landing comfortably inside 50 and allows him to go to work. Yeah. I mean, Kerno's kicking's been a bit off of late as well, so Harry's not exactly on his own. They've just got to find a way. <laughs> Their numbers have been good in regards to just about everything else over the last month. They've just got to find a way to calm the farm when they get themselves inside 50, not just shots for goal, but obviously decision-making inside the arc as well. Hey, Del, speaking of the game changing, I mean, I'm not sure if you heard this, but Darcy Moore's revelation yesterday that Justin Lepich braids his hair in backline meetings. I mean, did Ross Lyon ever play with James Gwilt's, you know, afro in meetings down there at Moorabbin? <laughs> Um, no, the simple answer is no. Um, and maybe that's uh, maybe I was playing in the uh, prehistoric dinosaur age or something because no, oh, Ross Lyon, I can't recall ever doing that. And I will go on record by saying I don't think Ross Lyon ever will, Sam. I don't think that's in his um, repertoire. Um, I do recall a time a long, long time ago under Grant Thomas when Xavier Clark, who was um, mm. a guy who's a good friend of mine now working at Richmond, turned up with um, braids. And Grant Thomas said to him, I don't reckon you'll have them next week. <laughs> and that's about as far as that feedback then uh, went. And sure enough, Xavier Clark turned up the next week with no, you know, with nothing fancy in his hair. I love it. Uh, it's just the seven games this week, of course, the buyers, which I'll ask you about a little bit later on, kicking in this week, Dale. But the Bulldogs' Geelong game's huge on the Saturday night. I mean, is it only injuries behind the drop off at the Cattery, do you think? I mean, the midfield, it must be said, has been wiped out. Wiped out. They're having one of those seasons. But how do we. Yeah. How are we to assess the reigning Premier? Um, well, they sit in 10th position right now, and I think to their own admission, haven't had the start and then probably the last month that, that they would have liked. Um, 
the, the funny bit is, Sam, I reckon for the last seven years, we've all been saying they're too old, they're mm. too slow, you know, Father Time's going to catch up with them, and they've proved us wrong, you know, time and time again. I know they didn't win every one of those premierships, but they won last year. Maybe, and I'm just throwing it out, maybe this is that year that, you know, that we've all thought, okay, it has to happen at some stage. I think it's been compounded severely by, you know, the injuries. I think... Yeah. And Joel Selwood's only one player, but I, I think the significance of what he's able to do within the game has slightly changed the group. And, you know, maybe Joel's impact, you know, physically on the game wasn't what it was a decade or so ago when he was at his absolute peak. But I think he made them walk a little bit taller. They played a system that he demanded maybe a little bit more than the group that's there right now. Now, by saying that, you know, Dangerfield and a handful of those guys that are still around, not all playing, I understand at the moment, I think it does slowly just chip away a little bit, but I still think the cats, on evidence of what we've seen over the last 20 years, have the ability to turn this around. It's not over for them just yet. Yep, yep. And the news uh, yesterday that Cam Guthrie needs surgery on that turf toe, so he's going to be out for several months as well. Uh, Tom Jonas, um, Nick, I wanted to ask about over at Port Adelaide, has, has been the elephant in the room for much of the season in the sense that he's just far, far away from being a lock in the best 22 when he's the captain. So a massive call to be left out after he's available from suspension. Um, How difficult would that be for him and for the club to potentially uh, navigate? It must be said that the coach, Ken Inkley, spoke about it with, with, uh, I think, remarkable openness yesterday. Yeah, Uh, it's a difficult one. I can only imagine those sort of conversations, Sammy, that you have to have with someone that you respect so highly that you know, has been a pivotal part of your playing group. There's also a piece about it that, and, and footy's like this at times, Sandy, whatever's best for the team you have to do. And they're awkward conversations and they're you know, pretty crappy at times because it's someone that you respect and value so highly and has such an influence on your group. But my take on that is, and, and being a coach, if it's the best thing for the team and it's the best thing at that time, you've just got to make that call and... Be open and honest, as I'm sure Ken would be. And then it's the player's responsibility to accept it and get to work on the areas that he needs to work on. Or you can go down the other path and, you know, poor me and nothing sort of changes. So mm. it's never a nice situation. Like, even when you have to tell, you know, someone that's on the fringe, you know, week to week that they don't get to play footy. Um, they're difficult conversations and you don't, you know, you don't love having to have those conversations, but it's a part of the game, let alone someone that's your captain. Just another player who was left out of their team at the weekends, Mac Andrew up at the Gold Coast. Now, these yeah. would have been difficult conversations as well. So this is a, a number five pick in the 2021 National Draft, and the Suns think he will be an absolute star. Athletic, 201-centimetre defender. Left out of the side for disciplinary reasons, Dally. Mr. Recovery has been battling with professionalism a, a little bit, nothing major, but just bits yeah. and pieces here and there that the Suns wanted to nip in the bud. So these conversations, particularly with your younger players coming in to set a standard, um, how are we to read that particular situation with a, with a high pick and, and a big talent coming in uh, having to sit it out for, for disciplinary reasons? I love that one, Sammy. I honestly do. I have no issue and would support that at, at any level. If you don't fall in line, you don't do what the game and what the team requires, you don't get to play footy. It's as simple as that. And if you need a set of precedents or you need to set an example earlier mm. on in a player's career, let alone for the playing group, then I think those things need to be done I don't know what stories have been like previously at the Suns. Um, you know, we're going back quite a while where there was some, you know, whispers and stories about people in in uh, higher positions at their footy club 
at the very top of their playing list that weren't doing everything that other teammates were doing. And that filters through. And the, the people that recognise this the most are teammates. And if you've got someone like this again, like Mac Andrew, who's missing things and whatever they've signed up to, Sammy, whatever they believe, uh, believe in and what they've agreed to that they must do to be the footy club they want to be, if you don't do it, then you can't just let that stuff slide. It's such a shocking example. And the players, being the teammates, are well aware of this. They yeah. see it more than anybody else. So I'm, I'm all for that sort of standard. And if that's what they've agreed to at the Suns and someone hasn't done it, then that's the ramification. Yep, no, I agree with you 100%. Are you a buys as a player? How did you navigate the buys, Dale, the week off? Were you one for a total disengagement? <laughs> I've had a couple of different um, examples. I'll, I'll share one from 2009, Tammy. So we're going back quite a while. Mm. Thanks. We'd won 11 or 12 in a row, whatever it was, um, when we had that buy. And about 10 of us went to Early Beach for pretty much a mid-season football trip because life was going pretty well. Um <laughs> So I've had those examples. Yeah, I always trained. Now, that's, um, we literally did go up there, but we trained, you know, three or four of the days out of the seven. I think there's a real balancing act of mentally and physically getting away from the game, but also never disengaging enough where your body's compromised at any stage. So um, whatever the program said, we always did. Um, it just didn't mean that you had to do it in Melbourne. So it was always nice just to try and find some sun in yeah. the middle of the year. Yeah, 100%. Hey, Nick, great to chat, mate. Uh, best of luck with the AFLW program, of course, and we'll be listening to you right across the AFL Nation uh, schedule as well as the weekend rolls on. Really appreciate it this morning. Thanks, Sammy. Always appreciate you too. Thanks, mate.